0: and um, while you're taking a seat I'd love to uh, introduce myself as Josh said uh, my name is Chris we're so glad that you would come out and hang out with us on this uh, wet sunday night we're actually going to stop praying for rain here at beyond and every time we want rain we're just going to put an event on i think we've run like seven events here and six out of the seven events it is torrentially rain so no more praying i'm just kidding no more rain dances, but we'll just put uh, an event on uh, as Josh said if you're here tonight if you're new if this is your first time the way we normally do things is we'll unpack a big idea or a series, uh, a big idea, and we'll come at it from a whole heap of different angles across a number of weeks. We'll throw it together, give it a funky title, and we'll call it a series. Tonight, though, if you're here for the first time, uh, or if you're new to the whole church thing, tonight is a one-off. So you can take it, leave it, run out the doors if you don't like it, and never, ever come back. You'll get the big idea, you'll get the application, you'll know absolutely everything you need from our next couple of minutes here together. Uh, and tonight what we're really talking about is, uh, it's kind of simple, as we launch Hello Sundays for our community tonight, we wanted just to talk about our place. We wanted to talk about this place called Beyond. Because it's kind of it's a little bit odd, isn't it? I mean, if, if you go over to your friend's place, you sort of know some of the rules. But if you go over to a new person's place, a new friend's place, you're like, oh, I'm not sure if I know the rules, I'm not sure if I know what to do. Am I allowed to eat out of the fridge? Is that the toilet in there? Like, where's the bedroom? What am I allowed to do? And we've all had those awkward situations where we go over to one friend's house and we do something that's okay at our house or okay at another friend's house, and they're like, what are you doing? And you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't mean to. And so we want to kind of talk about who we are, what our place is about, uh, and our mission here at Beyond. Beyond was launched two years ago, two and a half years ago, and as you do when you launch any uh, organization, any church, uh, you come up with your mission and your vision and your values and you spend some time talking them through. And our mission here at Beyond Church is to go beyond church uh, and lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. The problem with that is it's really actually difficult to achieve because you can't make anyone do something they don't want to do. If you've ever dated someone that was just like in love with Nickelback and they're trying to make you like Nickelback, you're like, oh, there is no way I'm like a Nickelback. Maybe, you know, you've got those friends and you're like, look, you really have some really bad spending habits and you you need to cut it out. You can't make someone set up healthy spending habits, healthy budget. You can't make someone, if if their maybe lifestyle and their eating habits aren't great, you can't make someone do something that they don't want to do. But what we discovered when we started to look at our community, we discovered that there's a lot of people who have, want nothing to do with church. Stepping into the doors of church is scary for them, like even talking to someone that's a Christian, they're kind of like, oh that's weird, like what do I do? Do I say certain things? How do I go about that? And so when Beyond launched, our vision, like how we achieve our mission, was really simple. We wanted to create a church that unchurched people love to attend. We wanted this to be a place that regardless of what you believe, this would be a place that you love to attend. You might not believe everything that we say. You might not believe that Jesus is the Son of God like we do, but you would actually say, hey, I actually like coming to this place. I love this place so much that I would come back next week. This place made me a better person. It made me able to have better relationships. It made me me able to handle my finances better. It made me able to have a better life. And we hope that one day that you would invite your friends back because it's just such a great place. And the reason that we did this is is not to try and be cool, not to try and be relevant, not to try and be like on culture. The reason we did it is because when you open the four biographies that we have on the life of Jesus, when you open the four biographies that we have, one written by Matthew, one written by Mark, one written by Luke and one written by John, one thing becomes abundantly clear as you begin to read them is that people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus, and he liked them back. Yet as we looked at it, our community when we were launching, what we discovered was that church was not something that was well received within the community. In fact, church has really become a place where people, it's really polarizing thing, people are like, oh, I don't like it, or I had a bad experience, or I met a Christian, and now I don't even want to go to church. And church has kind of turned into this place that, that actually kind of moves away from this whole person who Jesus was. Jesus drew people towards him, And the church seems to be this polarizing place that kind of pushed people away, or pushes people away. But what we discovered is the more and more that you talk to people, the more and more that you you learn, you find out a little bit about their story, is that people like Jesus, they just don't like the church. So many people I talk to, like, yeah, I love Jesus, I love this Jesus guy, I'm drawn to this Jesus guy. I, I want to know what he has, I might, might not buy everything he says, but I'm kind of interested. I kind of want to lean in and discover what he has to say about life, but to go to a church, I'm not sure if I want to do that. And ultimately, what, what, what the, uh, people are saying, and maybe you've said it, you maybe just not have said it in these words, is that really church has become resistible, when it should be irresistible. Church has become a place that you can push back against, you resist it, you don't like it, you're like, ah, oh, I'm not, like, even if I don't believe it, I don't want to be there. And so now I wanted to talk about a couple of reasons why church has become resistible and then I wanted to look at a conversation that was had uh, that, that, that happened, kind of the first ever church meeting and then I want to give us an application, something we can do to make sure that beyond, our community never ever becomes resistible. Now, if, if you um, wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, or maybe you kind of got questions, uh, uh, all the research, and, and maybe you would affirm that there are three, there's, there's lots, of, lots of reasons, but there's three big reasons why people resist church. The first one is this, is that it's unconvincing. Maybe you got to a point at your life, uh, in your life where there was a question that you really wanted answered about faith maybe it had to do with science, maybe it had to do with why do good things happen to bad people and, and so you went to someone that you trusted and you asked them a faith-based question, oh sorry, a fact-based question. How does this work? Why does it work this way? But the answer they gave you was a faith-based answer and it was kind of one of those answers that you were like, well, I guess if I, if I guess if I want to be a Christian, I guess I just have to suck it up. I guess there is no real answer. And so you began to believe that as a result, that there is no convincing evidence, there is no convincing reason to go to church or to follow Jesus. The second reason is this. It was uninspiring. You would go to church or maybe you would have conversations with people who were followers of Jesus and they just didn't inspire you to, to live the way that they lived. Because you looked at them and you're like, you are mean people. You categorize people. You push them to the side, or maybe you actually went to church one time and you sat there and you listened. You're like, this is just not inspiring at all. This Jesus guy is supposed to be this incredible person, but I'm just not. I'm just not feeling it. And so eventually, you resisted because ultimately you you thought that church was irrelevant. They answer my fact-based questions with faith-based answers. They don't inspire me when I come and ultimately, what it led to was you saying, it's irrelevant. It's got no meaning to my life. It just seems so distant. This whole God thing seems like it's over there and my life is is lived here in the moment. I just can't understand how this whole thing applies to my life right now. There just seems to be a disconnect. But it wasn't always that way. You see, when the church first began, it exploded onto the scene. From a couple of hundred people to thousands of people, literally literally overnight. And, and this grew and grew rapidly. It grew out, out of a city called Jerusalem and it spread into the surrounding regions. And people who knew nothing about it began to follow it. And this spread all over the Mediterranean region. The church was really irresistible. In fact, some of the authors who documented the, the growth of the early church said uh, that, New people came into the church and became followers of Jesus daily. There was something that drew people to church and a couple of hundred people started this movement. But over time, something happened. This kind of almost invisible force began to creep into the church and instead of being irresistible, the church became resistible. People started to build buildings, turn their backs on the community and kind of had their own secret huddle and really what it communicated was this, that church is just for church people. If you're not a church person, you're not welcome here. If you don't know the rules and and we might make you, it'll feel a little bit awkward but don't worry, you'll get over it. But really what that communicated to everyone else was that church is just for church people. So what happened? What changed that this, this church, this movement exploded, was irresistible and then ca- became resistible? One thing happened. Focus. The church lost its focus. And over time, instead of focusing on, peop- on, on the people it was reaching and focusing on being irresistible, the church started to turn in on itself. And if you've ever seen a group of friends, when they turn in on themselves, they turn their backs to everyone else. And so the church, maybe unintentionally, turned in on itself and turned its back to the rest of the world, and the church began to focus on who they were keeping in the church, as opposed to who they could possibly reach outside of the church. And if you don't believe me, if you're kind of like, ah, Chris, I don't, I'm not really sure, like, just imagine that you just put yourself in the shoes of an unchurched person, not here at Beyond, we, we try, we, we, we're not perfect, but we do our best to, to make this an experience that you'd love to attend. But if you've ever been to another church and you've just walked in, you have no experience with church, your first time back to church in a while, it's a little bit weird, right? You walk in the doors and all of a sudden there's a band up front on the stage and they start, they start playing. What kind of places do you go to where there's a band on stage and they start playing? It's a concert, right? And you're sitting there and you're like, oh, this is a concert, then the words come up on the screen. And the weird thing is when you go to a concert, you know the words to the song. You don't need the words on the screen. The only place you go where there's words on a screen is a karaoke bar. So now all of a sudden, the people are here and they're like, we're doing karaoke. And then in the middle of the karaoke session, people have got questions. People are like raising their hands. Some people are raising two hands. Some people got their hands out to the side and these people are like, I don't blame you. It's like, what's going on? Why is no one answering their questions? Why Why are some people doing this? Why are some people doing this? What's going on? And then then there's a part where maybe you're sitting down or maybe you're standing up and this bucket gets passed around and it's like they're charging admission to church because you see this bucket get placed around and everyone reaches for their wallets and starts throwing money in the bucket and you're thinking to yourself like, where's the admission sign? I didn't know there was a cost of entry. You might have come with your friends like, do we get a group discount? Do we get a family discount? Is it like, if I've got four, then we get a discount. If we've got three, there's not that much of a discount. And you're sitting there and you're like, I am so confused by this. But what if, what if church wasn't just for church people? What if we could go back to the time like the early church did and it was irresistible? People looked in and people actually wanted to be involved. People actually wanted to engage. They may not have believed, but they, they were, there were some questions that they wanted answered. And the good news for us is that it can go back to that place, it can go back to that time, but it all depends with the focus and the eyes that we understand church through. The eyes that we look through when it comes to church. And in order to to give us the eyes that we should look to when when it comes to church and how we should understand church, uh, I want to give us a really quick history lesson and that will lead us into that conversation I was telling you about. So in in order to kind of bring us all up to speed, what happened when the church first exploded, uh, like I've been talking about, is uh, a lot of the earliest followers of Jesus were actually Jewish and so they actually didn't believe that they converted to Christianity. Because in the Jewish faith, there was a promised Messiah, and they believed that Jesus was their Messiah. So it was kind of like the fulfillment of their, of their teachings. It, it, to think of it another way, uh, Judaism is the cocoon, or the chrysalis, that birthed Christianity. And so all these Jewish followers, like, well, we didn't have to convert to this, this is just part of our faith, right? But then what happened in all the surrounding areas, there were a whole heap of Gentiles, and Gentiles are really anyone who isn't Jewish, so if you're not Jewish here, you're a Gentile, just like me. Maybe there are some Jewish people here, but Gentiles are just this word. Anyone that wasn't Jewish. And, and when, these, when Gentile people began to hear about this message, they actually believed that they were converting to Christianity because they, they followed a pagan religion. And so for them, they, they turned their backs on their pagan religion and they placed their faith and they began to follow and put their trust in Christianity. They believed that they were converts to Christianity. There came a little bit of a tension, though, because you see, the Jewish Christians and and the Gentile Christians, they had two very different cultures. The pagan culture was was a highly sexual culture, had different laws, different customs, and the Jewish culture had a whole heap of different laws and a whole heap of different customs and traditions surrounding that. And so these Gentile Christians began to follow Jesus, but they incorporated all their own cultural customs, all their own cultural traditions into following Jesus. And the Jewish Christians heard about this and they were not happy. And the Gentiles, kind of like just being new to this whole thing, they're like, oh, what do we do? How do we do this? And they heard that all the Jewish Christians worshipped Jesus at this place called the temple. So they rocked up to the temple. All of them, hundreds, thousands of them rocked up to this temple. But they didn't know any of the ceremonial laws. They didn't know any of the ritual cleansings that were part of that culture. They didn't know you weren't supposed to eat certain types of meat. They didn't know there was a full day in the week to take some time aside, take some, take some me time. They didn't know any of this stuff. And so they started to get the Jewish Christians really mad and really angry. And so the Jewish Christians started to say, hey, if you really want to be a follower of Jesus, you first have to become a Jew, and then you can become a Christian. You have to go through our culture, our customs, our traditions, and then you can follow Jesus. Tracking with me so far? Yeah. Okay, cool. It's okay to nod. Uh, Then what, something that really kind of threw this whole dynamic into a spin, as this tension was building... As this tension was rising, 800 kilometers away from Jerusalem, in this town called Antioch, a guy called Paul and a guy called Barnabas are are preaching and they're they're, uh, living with Gentiles and all these Gentiles are coming to Jesus and these Gentiles have never, ever met any Jewish people and word gets back to Jerusalem that there are a whole heap of Gentiles 800 kilometers away in Antioch and they're not following any of the Jewish laws, they're not following any of the Jewish customs, they're not even going to the Jewish temple to worship God and they got mad. And letters were written back and forth. And so like all good churches, when there's a tension, they called a meeting. And this meeting was called to talk about this big idea, who gets in and what are the requirements? what are the requirements in order to be a follower of Jesus? And so Paul and Barnabas get up first and they begin to to share at this council. They they gathered all of Jesus' earliest disciples and then all the Christian leaders in that that surrounding region. There were hundreds of leaders there. And Paul and Barnabas are sharing about what's happening in Antioch and then some of the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders, get up. And after hearing this story about what God is doing in Antioch, this is what they say. The Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses, at which point all the Gentile men were like, we out, I'm done. Women and children, you can stay, but we're, we're done. I don't know about you, but Paul and Barnabas would have been sitting there and I, I can imagine them just being like, oh my goodness. And they turned to Peter. And Peter, he was one of the, the 12 disciples that, the 12, that we like to call them the dirty dozen here at Beyond. He was one of the 12 fishermen that, that hang out with Jesus and Paul, oh, sorry, Peter, he gets up in front of this council and he calls out these religious leaders and he says this, he says, we believe we are all saved the same way. You could almost like see him kind of bait them and how are we saved? Is it by the law? Is it by the law of Moses? Is it by circumcision? He says, no, it's by the undeserved grace of the Lord jesus he's saying you didn't have to you didn't have to follow moses you didn't have to obey those laws to become a christian you were a christian because of what jesus did on the cross because of his grace for you and then all eyes turned to the most influential leader in the jerusalem church at that time everyone went silent and all eyes shifted to james And if you don't know anything about James, this is one of the reasons why I'm inclined to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Because James is Jesus' brother. And James did not believe in Jesus during his lifetime. Could you imagine like your brother or your sister coming to you and being like, I'm God. Yeah, sure you are. And James would have had a front row seat to Jesus doing all these miracles, clicking his fingers, making his bear, turning water into wine. But James still said, no, I'm not sure. In fact, James ridiculed his own brother during his life. But then after he saw Jesus risen from the grave, James rises and becomes one of the most influential leaders in the church in Jerusalem. And so everyone's eyes turn to James, waiting to see what he has to say. And this is what James says. And so it is my judgment that. This is what my judgment is, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. In other words, what he's saying is we should remove every single barrier that stands between a person and God. The only barrier we can't remove is Jesus. But if there is another barrier in the way, we should remove every single barrier that stands between someone and reconnecting or connecting for the first time with God. Because what, what these Jewish Christians believed they were doing, they believed that what they were doing was spiritual. They believed it was a good thing. And James is going, yes, I understand that it's a good thing. I understand that it's spiritual, but what you're doing is you're actually building up a barrier between other people and them experiencing the love of God. And maybe you've experienced that. Maybe that's one of the reasons that you resist church. You feel like there's a massive barrier between you and God. And you don't know what that barrier is, you don't know what the rules are, but you just feel like, I don't know what the barrier is, but I can't overcome it. And I'm ashamed to say that there have been times in my life Where I have, because I thought I was being spiritual, put a barrier up and built a wall that stood between people and Jesus. And if you're maybe here tonight and and you're in that group of people and you're kind of like folding your arms and you're maybe getting angry at me and you're like having an argument with me in your head and you're like, yeah, but we you know, there are certain things we need to do and we need to do X, Y, and Z, everyone needs to know that and they'll figure it out on their own. You're already arguing with me, so... I feel like it's okay that I I offend you a little bit more, but I just want to let you know that I'm going to offend you uh, before I do it. And this is what I, I want to say to offend you. When you let being spiritual put a barrier between someone else and Jesus, you're not being spiritual, you're being selfish. When you decide that my spirituality is going to put a barrier between someone else and connecting with their Heavenly Father, you are not being spiritual, you're being selfish. You're saying, this is only for me, and you can't come in. Only people who look like me, talk like me, do things like me, can come in. And that is selfish. But, on the bright side, there is a way that we can ensure that in this place, at Beyond, that we can continue to be a community that never loses its focus. That we can be a community that never gets to a point where we drift and church becomes resistible. We can continue to focus and continue to to always be trying to make church irresistible, continue to break down all those barriers that stand between a person and their heavenly Father. But it starts by asking a question. And the question I want to ask you if you're a follower of Jesus is this, what do you want for non-church people? When you think of your friends, when you think of your family, when you think of your co-workers, people at uni, people at school and they don't know Jesus, what do you want for them? I'll tell you what we want for them, we want this to be a place that they come and they experience genuine love. We want this to be a place that they come and they say, hey I didn't have to be perfect, and they loved me anyway. We want this to be a place where when someone interacts with us and our community outside of these walls, they go, you know what? Those people, those Christians, they're all right. In fact, they actually do some incredibly great things for their community. I don't buy into it, but I love what they're doing. I love the difference that they're making. What we want for non-church people is that they would be so comfortable to come along, to lean in, to be a part of our community and belong. And maybe never, ever believe. We hope that one day they place their faith in Jesus. But we want this to be a place where every barrier is removed and you feel comfortable just belonging. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you would call this place your home, you would say, this is my church. We have this thing here at Beyond, it's called For Monday. Monday. Because we believe there's no point coming to church if it doesn't benefit you individually or benefit the people around you in some way. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, if you call this place home, what we want to challenge you this week is we want you to break down barriers with us. Chances are, given the kind of church that we are, that there was a point in your life where you were disconnected from God. Maybe you'd never met God at all or maybe you you grew up in church and you turned your back on church and you walked in and if you would now consider yourself a follower of Jesus, Beyond gave you a space where you could reconnect with your Heavenly Father. And the reason that you were able to is because people broke down barriers that you thought previously existed. And so we want to challenge you. If you would say that this is your community, we want you to help break down barriers with us. We want you to partner with us as we break down barriers for people who have never connected or have disconnected with their Heavenly Father. And if you want to know, if you're like, well, how do I do that? You should just come along and have coffee with us on Wednesday night. On Wednesday night, we have, uh, we do this thing called Team Night, which is just all our service programming, so all the people who put this that you see together. And we're meeting at Told You So from 7 till 9, and we would love to invite you to come and break down barriers with us. But maybe some of you um, are wondering, what's at stake? What's at stake if, if, I, if I break down barriers? Because maybe, uh, maybe you think that, that there's something else at stake. Maybe you're like, well, maybe our heritage is at stake. Maybe our doctrine is at stake. Maybe our theology is at stake, those church words. Maybe our model is at stake. But what's really at stake if we refuse to break down barriers is people. People who God created, people who God loves dearly, people who God longs to connect with, people that God wants to invite into His adventure for their life. And you have the opportunity to be a part of something that breaks down barriers for people, and be a part of what we honestly believe is the best part of someone's story. When you hear about them reconnecting or connecting for the first time with their Heavenly Father because barriers were broken down and you can write yourself in as a footnote in the best part of someone's story. Church is supposed to be irresistible. It just depends what kind of eyes we use to look at church with. So this week, why don't you help us break down barriers? And if you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus here, we want you to know that you can continue to come back and come back and come back as long as you want. You are so welcome here because we want to continue to create a church that unchurched people love to attend. So let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the words that are recorded by the historian Luke. I thank you that he gives us an insight into the tension that arose right in the early church. This wasn't a tension that uh, is new for us today, but this is a tension that has always existed within the church. And Lord, I pray that we would never lose focus, that we would be a community that is always focused on who we're reaching. Lord, that we would truly be irresistible. But it's going to take for us to break down barriers so lord i pray for maybe some people who would consider this place home and maybe they've been sitting on the sidelines for a while that maybe tonight you've moved in their heart and they've been able to observe just and think about what barriers were broken down for them and lord i pray that they would take part in this opportunity and grab hold of this opportunity to break down barriers for others as well and i pray this in jesus name amen